Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this rare early bird special edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. On this morning's show, I'm going to try and tackle all different aspects of what has become a very sad American tradition and why in the world, why we as sports parents, educators, uh, administrators, coaches can't seem to put an end to this god-awful problem. Now, I have to tell you, to be honest, I can't even recall how many times on this show over the years we have talked about hazing and how our kids just can't seem to break the cycle even though we remind them over and over and over again that hazing is a serious and at times fatal rite of passage that is not only totally unnecessary, but routinely cruel and psychologically and physically devastating to the victim. In short, hazing ruins lives. It deliberately injures people. It sometimes kills innocent youngsters who make the mistake of trusting one's peers there is absolutely no meaningful or rational explanation for his existence. And yet, and yet, it continues to happen everywhere in this country. In short, the time has finally come to say enough is enough. And the reason why I want to discuss this in depth this morning, along with uh, my longtime colleague Steve Callis, is because of a new documentary on hazing that, and friends, I think you know me well enough at this point to know that uh, I don't go into hype mode too often. But this documentary on hazing is powerful. It will make you pay attention. It will make you cry. It will make you downright angry. The new documentary is called Hazing, and it's written and produced by Byron Hurt, an award-winning documentary filmmaker. He's also an adjunct professor uh, at Columbia University. Now, i got to tell you, I walked away from this movie thinking, wow, if only every youngster in America could see this film and their parents as well, they would all think twice about the so-called innocent act of hazing a teammate or a friend or a pledge to a fraternity. Now, the truth is, hazing has been around in this country for well over a century. It includes everything from fraternities and sororities for both men and for women. And in this documentary, you'll see it obviously involves all different types of races, whites and blacks. Hazing involves athletes as well as band members. And yes, innocent kids get killed. 
Now, look, I've got to be honest with you. I, I can't even imagine what a parent would go through if they received a call one night from a police officer or hospital informing them that their son or daughter has unfortunately passed away at age 19 or 20 from over-intoxication of alcohol or from falling down a flight of stairs while being drunk or dying from overexposure to the cold, all because the kid was being hazed. I just got to think about that, but let that sink in. Your son or daughter, the pride and joy of your life, was killed in a hazing accident. But it's no accident. It was all planned out by the so-called trusted frat brothers or sisters or by their teammates. I mean, if you can tell, I'm getting pretty worked up early on this Sunday morning. But I got to tell you, this enough is enough. I, I honestly, and I'll say this throughout the show this morning, moms and dads, coaches, you got to sit down with your athletes, with your students when they go off to college and explain to them that hazing is not acceptable. It is extraordinarily dangerous. And even though the kids all want to feel like they belong, they want to feel like they're accepted, they all want to feel like they can get over this hurdle, the fact is that there's just a long, lengthy uh, number of, of statistics that prove that kids every year are killed through hazing. And it's, 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 a, it's a horrible situation. We've known about it for years, and I guess it always shows itself in terms of high school sports, in terms of kids for some reason thinking they have to haze the younger teammates, whether it's football, whether it's cheerleading, whether it's hockey, whether it's whatever sport you can think of. It's got to stop. And for some reason, we can't seem to make it stop. Okay, that's our topic for this morning. I can't think of anything more important or more sobering for parents and kids and coaches. And when I return, Steve Callis will join me, and we will tell you more about this extraordinary new hazing documentary, and we'll talk more about what we need to do and take some proactive steps so we just put an end to this nonsense once and for all. Stay with me. Back after this. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Back here on the Sports Edge, uh, we're taking a very close look at the horrible American tradition, and that's unfortunately what it's become, the tradition of hazing, and not only how trying to educate moms and dads and kids about this, well, this evil practice, but how it can ruin and destroy lives, and all for really no reason, no good reason at all. Now, I've asked Steve Callis to join me to discuss this important issue. As you all know, Steve is a, a longtime contributor to the Sports Edge. He's a New York City attorney who has thoroughly researched the topic of hazing, He's done several radio shows on this topic. He also serves as the sports editor of WestchesterCountyPost.com, and he hosts a, a 390-member sports Facebook group, Speaking of Sports with Steve Callis. I mean, if you're, if you're a big-time sports fan, I heartily recommend you join the group on Facebook. Again, it is uh, Speaking of Sports with Steve Callis. All right, Steve, good morning. Uh, as I noted in my, my emotional intro, I can't even count how many shows over the years I've devoted to the issue of hazing. And yet it's, all, it's almost like, like a knee-jerk kind of tradition. That is, a high school football team will haze some of its younger players. It happens with college ice hockey teams, high school hockey teams, high school wrestling. The examples are endless. And, of course, hazing, although it seems to have its roots with traditionally with college fraternities and sororities, it, it obviously has expanded to all different walks of life, including even college bands. Anyhow, I want to talk a bit, start off the show, about this extremely moving documentary called Hazing, which was written and produced by Byron Hurt. Uh, and, and, you know, Steve, first of all, tell us, tell, you know, how did you even find this documentary? I know it's been on for a few weeks, I guess, on PBS, but nobody even knows seems to be aware of it. Yeah, it's great to be with you as always, Rick. This is a very important topic. I know you've tackled it before, but I, I agree with you. This documentary is must-see TV. Uh, and... Um, I found it because I'm a big documentary guy. I'll tape all the American experiences and American masters, and as the case here, the independent lens documentary, Hazing is Season 24, Episode 1. I think anyone could go watch it on pbs.org slash hazing. At least I was able to get it and watch it again Mm because I taped it September 12th. It, It was made, it was completed in 2022, so as you would imagine, this is about as as close to new as you can get because it was just finished and he has statistics which we'll go through a little later you know through 2021 i did want to start though with the definition of hazing because uh, i think we have to start from somewhere and the definition of hazing as shown in the documentary is quote hazing is any activity of someone joining or participating in a group that humiliates degrades 
abuses, or endangers them, regardless of a person's willingness to participate, which is also an interesting end, end of quote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's happened here is Byron Hurt, and give him credit a little on his background, I know you spoke about him, he was a black quarterback who grew up in central Isip, Long Island. And during the documentary, he said, you know, I had no problems being a black quarterback in central Isip, Long Island. But then I went to college at Northeastern, where I was a black uh, quarterback and it was a little bit different and they show the picture i think there might be maybe one other black guy on the team besides byron hurt Mm -hmm. and and he wound up joining a black greek letter organization so i wasn't fully familiar with these but they were you know 50 60 80 years ago they came into effect because black guys couldn't get into the white fraternities at these colleges and he became a brother at omega psi phi so he lived this firsthand and a large part of the story, and it's hard to do, but I think he pulled it off, is his own rec- reckoning with himself. You yeah. know, I was a lot, you know, they hit me a hundred times a night with the paddle, and I went through it. I did everything with these guys, and I swore when I became a brother I wasn't going to do to the other people the pledges what they did to me. And, of course, eventually he did. And it really is, uh, uh, again, a reckoning for him and I think it was really well done, and I'll say it again. I think it's must-see TV, especially if you have a kid who's not only going into college, but as you said, being the opening, uh, even if he's going into middle school or high school, because this stuff, unfortunately, has dropped down to the high school level and even the middle school level. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the fact that uh, Byron Hurt is very objective and candid. Now, yeah, he was at Northeastern uh, as a football player, I'm going to say maybe 25 30 years ago, yep. but clearly he has really, uh, as, as a major sort of uh, through line in the documentary, he's struggling with the fact that, yeah, I thought I would always, once I crossed the line and survived all the hazing he went through, that somehow he would somehow reject all this nonsense, but again, he became part of the, the establishment and the process continued on. You can tell from the, from the documentary, he, he, he knows this wasn't right, and yet he still finds uh he, he goes back and looks at some of the the artifacts the paddles and stuff like that and you yeah. can tell he's really just a it's a sort of a, a day of reckoning for him uh but the rest of the story as he goes into this it is just unbelievable uh because uh, again the, the the uh he he really he really does a deep dive into some of the cases uh of, of people who have suffered uh what it did to them, sometimes fatally, what it did to their families. It's, and, of course, the aftermath is another, another situation as well because many times uh, the, the so-called perpetrators of these hazings don't really get punished at all. But the point is that, well, we'll talk about this. Let's, let's talk about some of these cases here, and, and two cases in particular. And, again, there were many covered in this documentary. And, again, as we've said right from the get-go on this, this, this is a documentary that'll make you cry, it'll make you squeamish, it, it'll really hurt you in the sense that, God, this really goes on and, and we let our kids do this? It's bizarre. Let's, let's start, for start with this, um, this case of George uh, de Dune. Um, you know, here was a young man who was the only child of his mother. I guess his dad had passed away earlier in his life. But, yes. But uh, the mother who's on, on the documentary talking about what happened to her son, she was here, an uh, immigrant, had moved to the United States, living in a modest home, and, and of course she was absolutely ecstatic uh, when her son was admitted to uh, Cornell University. Uh, I mean, you can just imagine how thrilled she must have been. But when George arrived up in Ithaca, in New York, 
as so many freshmen do each year, he was involved in trying to fit in with a fraternity. And, Steve, take, take up the story from there. Yeah, well, George's mother, Marie Andre, uh, they had um, come in from Haiti mm-hmm. and settled in Brooklyn. And it was an incredible accomplishment for George, the son, to eventually get into Cornell. But he goes up to Ithaca, and um, he pledged and became a brother at Sigma Alpha Epsilon, short S-A-E. But on February 25, 2011, this fraternity, which I've never heard of them doing, another fraternity doing, allowed the pledges to haze the brothers. Mm-hmm. And George was already a brother. Mm-hmm. And so on February 25, 2011, the pledges of SAE decided to haze George, among others, and they used zip ties and duct tape on George's wrists and ankles, and they then proceeded to pour alcohol down his mouth until he passed out. Now, Rick, this was done all off campus, which is interesting from a legal legal perspective, as you would imagine. Mm -hmm. But they wound up bringing him back to the fraternity house. They dumped him on a couch, and he left him there, and he died. His blood alcohol level was .409, which you know is five times the .08 legal limit. Mm -hmm. That's how drunk he was, and it caused his death. As a result of that... um, and, you know, everybody runs for the hills here. You know, Cornell will say, yeah, it wasn't really, uh, uh, we didn't really sanction that thing, or it was done off campus, done off which campus, is always yes, a defense. Um, but there turned out to be a civil suit, and after years, because these things always take years, um, there was a confidential multi-million dollar settlement where SAE, the fraternity, and some individuals were held liable. But criminally... Three students were charged with first-degree hazing. Now, this is incredible to me, Rick, because the first-degree hazing statute in New York is a misdemeanor. Um, and you got to think, if you cause a guy's death, <laughs> then he could have been charged with more. And in theory, he could have been charged by more, but he wasn't. So these three students were charged with first-degree hazing, and they were acquitted. They're no longer, they were no longer at Cornell. They had all either expelled or left. But they were gone. So, so let's, let's stop right there for a second. Yep. I, I mean, here's a kid who basically is bound and basically gagged, and they pour down alcohol to raise his blood level to five times what the legal limit uh-huh. is, and he, and he dies. Uh-huh. And because it happens off campus, well, Cornell's not, they said, no, we're not responsible for this, but they brought the kid back to the, the frat house on, at Cornell. Yes. Uh, and then the kids are actually charged, but as <laughs> you said, it's a misdemeanor. Uh, apparently hazing in New York State. So these kids basically got off scot-free. Nothing. Yep. Nobody held, nobody's held responsible for this poor kid's death. And as you might imagine, it was just absolutely devastating to, uh, to his mom. So. Right, and this is just so you know, or really the listeners know, you already know, this was the case that, that Byron Hurt said, this is the case I saw in the New York Times, and that propelled me to make this documentary. Yes. So it did have, you know, I'm not going to say a silver lining, but this is what affected him to go out and make this documentary. And, and footnote to the whole thing, SAE, um, in 2015, this happened in 2011, in 2015, somebody released a uh, viral video of an SAE fraternity in Oklahoma at the University of Oklahoma mm-hmm. where they, they literally chanted incredibly racist spews and obviously George was from Haiti and he was black and you know Byron correctly raises the question I wonder if there was some 
racism in all of this, that this would be the one who was picked out and really obviously uh, hazed the most, for lack of a better term, and killed. And so that's an open question, but certainly a possibility. Uh, and of course, now everybody with SAE, they've tried to put some lipstick on a pig, and now you know they're they're different now and all that. And they have commercials where they want to have, you know, we really need true gentlemen today, join SAE. <laughs> and you just, when you're watching it, you almost want to puke. As you said, this is very um, disturbing, very moving. You don't watch this and walk away and not think about it. And again, that's just one case in this, this explosive documentary. There are all sorts of, and by the way, we talked about the, this kid who was at Cornell, who happened to be black, uh, but I mean, this happens all over the country. I mean, hazing is illegal, I understand, in something like 44 states in this country. I can't explain or understand why the other six states don't outlaw it. But, Steve, and we're talking with Steve Callis, of course, talk about the case out in California. Uh, the documentary discusses the deaths of, of two women uh, who were involved in some sort of pledging which took place at night at the beach um, and, and how that was reported by the police. Uh. This yeah, again, unbelievable. And Byron Hurt, this is the first case he leads with, and, and, and to me, arguably the most moving, because you don't even think about women being hazed to death. I don't, It never came up on the radar, yep. but it is, and I, I'm not going to say it's a large part of it, but this particular case, in 2002, Kristen High and her friend Kenitha Safer were pledging a sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha, which has, you know, members like it's a who's who. Uh, the ones they showed were Kamala Harris, uh, Toni Morrison, I think maybe Maya Angelou, but you get the point. <laughs> yeah, these are heavy hitters, no question. <laughs> yes, and so they were students at Cal State University in Los Angeles. And part of, and, and, and this came out later, of course, but apparently part of the West Coast on the beach, if you will, part of the uh, hazing is taking you to the beach. But what happened was um, there were four pledges. These two, Kristen High and her friend Kenitha Safer, uh, were, when you hear the whole story, I'll just give it the whole story quickly, um, you know, they were made to do incredible calisthenics in the sand and mud by the beach. Uh, they had to do a lot of other things day after day. And on this day, um, they were told to walk backwards into the ocean blindfolded. And I'll get to the police report in a minute, which has none of this. But they were told they had to walk into the ocean blindfolded backwards. And Kristen Hine knew that her friend Kenitha Safer um, could not swim. And apparently she was hit by a wave and dragged underneath and went out. And um, Kristen High recognized this. She was an excellent swimmer. So she took off her blindfold and tried to save Kenitha Safer. And they both died that night drowning. The police come to the scene of the crime. Now, there were two other pledges who apparently said nothing. There were a bunch of the sorority sisters there who said nothing. Uh, and the police, and this is the Los Angeles police, you know, I'm going back to 2002. We remember Rodney King in 1991, and they never really had a good rep, frankly. Mm -hmm. And these women were all black. Mm -hmm. It was an all-black sorority. And so the police reported the two deaths as a, quote, accident. Police were told, presumably by members and or pledges of the sorority, that the two women went into the ocean to, quote, rinse off, close quote, in beach water because they had been on the sand and they had gotten muddy. And you know how that is when you're at the beach and it gets wet and you get all this stuff. And for whatever reason, I mean, who believes that story, Rick? But apparently the answer is the police did. 
So there was a lawsuit that followed eventually, and what what was in the lawsuit was that they were ordered to do all these exercises, to do these calisthenics. They were exhausted from days of doing this. They were then ordered to walk backwards into the ocean. And again, the one who couldn't swim, uh, Kanitha Sefer, uh, screamed out, was caught in an undertow. Kristen Hyde took her blindfold off and tried to save him, and they both drowned. Mm. Um, her mother, Kristen Hyde's mother, who is called Pastor Pat, because she's a um, pastor of a church. Um, to this day, the end of the uh, the end of the documentary is very moving. You'll recall they're walking on the beach, mm-hmm. and the mother, twenty years later, is saying, "You know, you wish somebody would come forward and just say the truth, because it was no accident." In any event, no criminal charges were ever filed against anyone, Rick, and civil lawsuits were were brought by both families against the school and the fraternity, and eventually there was a, you know, settlement reached, and that was kind of the end of it. Now, to this day, Pastor Pat is still trying to do something, uh, but again, as you can tell in this situation, everybody's clammed up. You would think 20 years later, the other pledges, or maybe a sorority sister, would at least say what happened, you know, 20 years ago. I guess if they ever went to a lawyer, the lawyer would say, well, there's no statute of limitations on murder. And so you might be charged with murder, so I, as your lawyer, might advise you to shut up. But it's kind of sad all these years later. And that was really, that that sets the documentary off in a striking, oh my goodness, what is this? You have to watch this. And and that's, we just covered two of these cases. There are all sorts of these cases that Byron Hurt brings forth uh, on this documentary. Yeah, I can give you some stats if you want, Rick, now or later. Well, we'll get to, I, actually, the second uh, half of the show, I want to get into some stats. I also want to talk about, you know, why these kids, uh, these victims, um, you know, why they're seen as somehow as, well, they were willing to participate in these, in these, these god-awful things, and therefore it's hard to sort of make a case that they... They should somebody should be held accountable for what happened to them, and of course the idea of the the snitch. Nobody wants to break that right. wall of silence. But I do want to talk since we're going through some of these cases. The case of Robert Champion, who was a uh, a proud member of the Florida A and M marching band. Now, way I understand this, according to the documentary, he died when he had to basically walk a gauntlet on the Florida A and M bus, and was literally. And Steve, correct me if I'm wrong about this. He was this kid was basically beaten to death by his bandmates as part of a hazing incident? Is that that correct? That's 100% correct. Robert Champion was a drum major, which is a big deal. You know, you're the guy marching in front and all that stuff. And um, FAMU, Florida A&M University, historically black college, but well-known for band nationally, but apparently well-known for decades as being a place where you would be hazed. And it was something called Crossing Bus C, and bus C, you would get in the front of the, you know, the band has multiple buses. There's so many kids in these bands, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had to get in and go from the front of the bus to the back of the bus. And during that time, from the front of the bus to the back of the bus, the other band members could do whatever they wanted to you. And they literally beat him to death. He did not make it to the back of the bus. I, I, I mean, again, <laughs> this is this is unfathomable to people like, like you and me, and I think more more note it's it's running the gauntlet as you said and it became a national story and apparently there came out that there had been a history of this kind of apparently maybe no dead people yet i don't know rick uh, but uh you know this was well known that if you went to the florida a&m and got in the band this was going to happen to you at some point um 
part of the defense, I will tell you, was, yeah, well, he kind of knew this stuff happened. You know, he had been in the band for a while and knew, and he essentially uh, uh, agreed to do this, and this is the quintessential blame the victim, right? A lot of it is, yes. ah, it's their fault, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, he died in November of 2011. There was a civil lawsuit uh, which the parents uh, settled for $1.1 million and a formal apology. Uh, 800000 of that $1.1 million, of course, came from what? From insurance. Mm-hmm. And uh, Florida A&M's defense was it, was it was Chapman's fault because he kind of agreed to do this. Uh, I will tell you that criminally, and again, this is just another one of these things, although in this case one person did go to jail, 15 people were charged. Only one went to jail, and that was Dante Martin, who was called the, quote, president, close quote, of Bus C. He got six and a half years for uh, felony hazing, uh, manslaughter, uh, felony hazing resulting in death. Uh, But unfortunately, the 13 others or 14 others who were charged, they all got probation and community service. And again, one person went to jail for six and a half years. Okay, but he was the ringleader. By and I'm using that as a quote from the from the articles. He was viewed to be the ringleader. And once again, um, right after this, because this guy's a good filmmaker, he came out with not just uh, Florida A&M. There have been incidents at Ohio State and Oklahoma and Texas A&M. Fortunately, nobody died, but there were enough incidents again for charges to be made, and uh, usually. Uh, nobody goes to jail. And the notion that you can, in essence, kill somebody and, and you know, get probation, I mean, it's just kind of beyond the pale for me. We're, we're talking with Steve Callis this morning about this, uh, this horrible tradition of hazing that is so rampant in this country at the, you know, high school, middle school, collegiate level. You know, this is all based upon what, what Steve and I watched in this documentary called Hazing by Byron Hurt. It's on PBS. The fact is... Despite all the the lawsuits or kids being arrested or or being put on trial, at the end of the day, a kid is dead for no reason at all. It's just, you know, two two girls, you know, drown in the ocean. Uh, A kid is a member, a prime member of the band at Florida A.M. He's dead for going through some stupid walk in the gauntlet on a bus. Uh, You know, a kid goes to Cornell, ends up uh, being shackled, and basically uh, they pour alcohol down his throat until he dies. There's no, this doesn't make any sense. And the problem, Steve, and we're looking at a break here in a minute, and when we come back in the next part of the show, we'll go over some of the stats because these are not just isolated outlier incidents. These things are happening all the time and has happened for, you know, decades. And we still can't seem to find a way to, to either make this stop, to educate our kids, coaches, whatever. We've got to find a way to make this stop. Okay, let me, let me take a time out. When I return, we'll continue with this very, very emotional show about hazing and what you need to know as a sports parent, as a coach, as an educator. Stay with me. Back here on the Sports Edge, uh, a reminder, by the way, you can always find a podcast of the entire Sports Edge episode by either going to WFAN.com and you just find the podcast page and find the link to my show, or you can go to AskCoachWolf.com and find the podcast uh, on my blog page there. And, and by the way, next Sunday morning, the Sports Edge returns to 7 a.m. here on The Fan. Okay, before we get back to Steve Callis and hazing, just a quick note from the, the Sports Edge police blotter. 
A number of listeners contacted me this past week about this uh, youth football incident in Norwalk, Connecticut. Uh, People are uh, still buzzing about uh, a sports dad who apparently attacked a youth football coach during a game of eighth graders. And this dad literally whacked the coach in the head with a football helmet, knocking the coach unconscious. Can you imagine? I mean, the good news is that the sources say that the injured coach uh, is now recovering and, and, and doing okay. And local police in Norwalk are, of course, investigating and trying to get more details because obviously there were witnesses. But, of course, this kind of physical assault, I mean, it's just never, ever acceptable. And I will tell you one of the comments that caught my eye, the uh, commissioner of the Youth Football League said what I consider to be a classic understatement, quote, this is an isolated incident that happened between a parent who made a very bad decision and a coach, end quote. Well, <laughs> that's being kind. To me, it's just a blatant and violent attack on a human being. Yep. Calling it a very bad decision is being too polite. And I'm going to be curious to see if more details of this attack are revealed and just what kind of crime uh, or charges this, this, this sports dad is going to be, uh, be looking at. And Steve, you know, based upon those just minimal facts, I mean, what, what's your sense? My sense is it's outrageous. They're already trying to push away. Can't be our fault. Can't be our. This is a rogue parent who lost his mind. We don't want any suits. Of course, the suit will result from this. Uh, but it's the same thing over and over again. I mean, you had the thing in Texas, what, six, eight weeks ago, where, yep. you yep. know, one one coach got a gun and killed another coach. I mean, it's just it's total lunacy. It is total lunacy, and uh, we don't seem to be able to corral this, um, which in many ways is sort of parallel to what's happening with hazing. Because yep. in our society today, particularly at the high school level, you know, well, hazing's fine. Hazing is a, is, a, is a rite of passage. We all went through it, so you have to go through it, too. And you can name the sport, but hazing is pretty much universal at the high school, sometimes even at the middle school level, probably on uh, club and travel teams, certainly at the collegiate level. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's like people don't seem to understand or, or think this through, that hazing never has any positive outcome. It's all... Somebody gets traumatized, somebody gets hurt, somebody, uh, you know, may get uh, arrested. Uh, and, of course, in many cases, when the authorities find out that, a, let's say, a high school football team has had some hazing incidents, well, usually the, t- the, the, the schedule, the team gets, uh, their, their schedule gets canceled for the year. So everybody loses. Yeah. It's just crazy. Now, I promised our listeners before the break you had, we'd share some stats. Please, please go ahead. Yeah. First, I'll give you the power of fraternities, which I certainly did not understand, and then I'll give you the actual death numbers. Um, fraternities in the United States own $3 billion worth of real estate, which are the fraternity houses and all of these college campuses. $3 billion $3 billion in real estate. Okay. That's the valuations. They're, they are landlord to 250,000 students, and they're the biggest landlord in the country for college students, except, of course, the university themselves. Uh they also do $20 million a year in charity work, Rick, which is wonderful. And the alumni, and this is maybe where it gets a little problematic for the universities, the alumni are loyal donors to both the institutions and the fraternities. So if you really crack down, this could hurt your bottom line in terms of getting you know, donations. Um, but to get to the actual hazing stats, believe it or not, Rick, there is a website 
by Professor Hank Neuer, N-U-W-E-R. Oh, yeah, Hank Neuer has been studying this stuff for years. Yeah, adjunct professor at Ball State. And in the left-hand corner of the first page of his website is uh, Unofficial Hazing Clearinghouse, okay? Mm -hmm. And he lists, um, and and this is also shown at length, you don't have to go there, but it's also in the documentary, Uh, there has been at least one death, one or more deaths, from hazing from 1959 through 2021, with the only maybe exception 2020, because as you know, that was COVID, as everybody knows, that was COVID, and most, if not all, college campuses were certainly closed down for dorms. Mm-hmm. You know, Maybe you did online stuff, maybe you showed up at class outdoors, but virtually there were no actual dorms, and thus no fraternities. But specific numbers in the last 15 years, um, because I looked at all of them, and the the higher numbers have come in the last 15 years. And while they're all single digits, they're not one or two or three. In 2008, five deaths from hazing. All of these are from deaths from hazing. 2012, eight. 2013, five. 2014, seven. 2017, seven. 2019, the highest I could find in recent decades, nine deaths in 2009. I don't think there's any in 2020 because of COVID, but last year, 2021, we're still kind of in COVID with vaccines. There were three deaths from hazing. So this is something that hasn't gone down, and if anything has gone up, and I don't want to say, oh, from three to nine, that's triple the number, but it's a number every year, and it's a real number. It's not zero or one or two. So I don't know that this is going to stop. Uh, One more thing, just to give you a sense. Um, 83% of all hazing deaths have been in historically white fraternities. 82% of all hazing deaths have involved alcohol. Yeah, no surprise 55% 55 of college students have experienced hazing, but only 5% admit to being hazed. Those are all stats taken from the documentary. And, of course, they have some more that I didn't write down. Let me me come back to that point because it all ties into this. Uh, You know, one is... Uh, and I think this is this is a major hurdle when it comes to kids uh, being seen as victims that p- people say, well, I mean, so the kid, you know, was hazed and he got uh, he died from al- alcohol uh, intoxication. But after all, this kid did this of his own volition. He he or she did this willingly. So it's hard or hard to say, uh, you know, help me or protect me or, or punish somebody when you're the willing victim. Now, that's a little superficial from my perspective because, let's face it, if you're a kid, you, you're you a social animal and you want to be part of the team. You want to be you're considered uh, a friend uh, with your peers. You want to be part of that fraternity or sorority uh, because that's what being a kid is all about. So if it means I have to go through these incredibly horrible situations where I'm paddled with a, with a, uh, with a wooden bat uh, every night, uh, or I'm going through all sorts of ridiculous torture situations, being shackled, uh, being drink, being you know, basically be blindfolded and drunk. I mean, yeah, you're doing this willingly, but not really. I mean, you're sort of feeling I have to do this to get across the line to be considered one of those good people. Yes, and the law recognizes that even if you agree to do it, it can still be hazing. And I'll just use the long-quoted Rick Wolf quote, which is, who's the adult in the room? If you're a bunch of juniors and seniors, you're 21, 22 years old, and you got a poor 17, 18-year-old pledge, 
you got to be the adult in the room. What, what, what scares me the most is that there's nobody on the side who would make a phone call to call 911. It's an immediate omerta, for lack of a better term. We're not going <laughs> to say anything. This guy did it by himself. He, drunk, he drank so much he killed himself. We'll just leave him on the couch, and then we'll eventually call 911. And invariably, they always call too late yes. to save the kid. Yeah. So yeah. I think, again, it goes back to things you've said forever in a different context. Who's the adult in the room? Well, if you're 22 and you're a senior in college and you've got a freshman kid who doesn't know what the hell's going on, you have to be the adult, and that just doesn't seem to happen. Certainly in virtually all of these cases, that does not and, happen. And, and that's the first part of this, is that you know the kid wants to be part, wants to be accepted, wants to be part of whatever that group is, whether it's a team or a frat, whatever. But then, as you said, Steve, you know somebody has to play the role of the adult, and somebody has to sort of say, well, wait a minute now, this kid looks like uh, he or she is in really desperate straits. We better get some help. But it seems in many of these cases, she said they wait much too long, hours and hours, until they figure out, well, maybe the kid really is passed out or stroked on, on his vomit or whatever it might be, or he fell down the stairs and, and broke his neck. I mean, it's just bizarre. And then, the, the, as you said, the, the, from a legal perspective, and also, of course, what could be more devastating than having, getting a phone call that uh, your son or daughter has been either killed or seriously injured due to a, a, a hazing incident. But then on the backside, the legal perspective that these, these, as you said before, most of these fraternities, universities, nobody seems, even the, 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 the people who actually did, the perpetrators, nobody seems to be held responsible in any meaningful kind of way. That's, that's all part of this as well. So, I mean, if you had a sense of like, hey, wait a minute, if we do something to these kids and really ruin their lives, screw them up, you know, kill them, we're going to be held responsible. That doesn't seem to happen. Well, I know we're going to talk about solutions at some point, and one of them has to be that there has to be stronger laws. You can't have even New York State on the books. The only thing they have is uh, uh, first degree is a misdemeanor, so you know that's punishable up to a year in jail. Now, again, if someone dies, but someone did die up at Cornell, it seems to me you can then make that manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter, even murder. Um, but that was not done, certainly, uh, in the Cornell case. Um, but I think laws all over the country, there are no federal statutes on this. Why there can't be a federal statute is beyond me. Maybe the Congress would say, oh, it's up to the states. And as you mentioned, 44 states do have rules. But even the New York law, to me, is not very strong at all. You can talk about ruining a young man's life when he's 18 but or 20, but if he participated in killing someone, uh, he needs to have a message sent to him and others and he can make the best of his life after that kind of thing. But right now, as you pointed out, it is rare that anybody goes to jail and all of these things wind up with, you know, probation and community service. We're talking uh, with Steve Callis about the, this very, very strong, must-see documentary called Hazing by Byron Hurt. It's uh, airing on PBS uh, now and will continue to air for, I guess, a couple of months. But I urge you, if you're a parent who has kids, uh, you know, who are in middle school, high school, looking to go to college, or considering joining a fraternity or sorority, you got to see this fraternity. You got to see this documentary. It's that strong and that uh, that scary. Steve, let's talk about solutions here. You just mentioned about the fact that some of the laws have to be strengthened to put more bite into them to make kids think about. Well, if we do this, we're going to be held personally responsible, um, and we better be sure that uh, we, we know the law. Uh, in terms of what we do to our pledges or kids who are younger than us? 
Absolutely, and a few things quickly. Obviously, there should be zero tolerance, and a lot of these high schools can say zero tolerance, but they really have to back it up. It can't be any of this. Boys will be boys. And, yes, you're correct. It could be to any sport. You know, the football coaches are like, well, you know, these are boys being boys, and they're growing up, and blah, 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 blah. There has to be real zero tolerance. There's also an organization talked about in the documentary called PUSH, which stands for yes. Parents United to Stop Hazing. I encourage people to go to their website and, you know, take a look at that, and, and maybe it's worth joining. And I will say this, Rick, because I did do a little New York research. The New York State Public High School Athletic Association, which you're very familiar with, mm-hmm. NYSPHSAA, I can't mm-hmm. believe they actually use that, but whatever. <laughs> they actually have, and it says, and I got this for this year, we, ex- we are excited to once again offer hazing prevention, it's everyone's responsibility, high school training kit, and it is available to New York State Public High School member schools free of charge. They also had an online course, which I was disappointed to see. They also have an online course about hazing, and it said, yeah, you can get 25% off this online course on hazing. And I'm like, really? You're going to make people pay for that? But I guess someone has to make a profit somewhere. So there is that as well. So there are, but you know, I have a recent case, I don't know if you want me to talk to you about it now, in, in Wall High School in Monmouth County, just decided a few weeks ago where, once again, you know, six kids who were charged with multiple crimes were essentially given probation and community service. Just happened with the football team. You know, they canceled, you were talking about this to me off the air, they canceled their season and everything, and people were complaining, well, six kids got charged, you're, you're hurting the other 30 kids on yeah, the team, yeah, yeah. And, and that's always a, a tough one to, to navigate. But once again, at the end of the day, the most important charges, the most serious charges were dismissed, and the kids all got probation and community service. It, it, uh, yes, and, you, and we all know, that, of course, that, uh, are, well, you know, only a handful of kids were, were the perpetrators who did the hazing, but right. now you're punishing the rest of the team because they, they weren't there, and that's not fair. We know that. The problem is this is why hazing, which has been around forever, it has to be brought to the forefront, uh, to, the, to, to the front of all these issues, and it's got to be hammered home to all these kids in high school across the board to say, look, and make them watch this documentary. Make that part of like a, an assignment, yeah. a homework assignment, and you're going to quiz them and test them about make sure they saw it because, you know, this is, you just said, this could be you. This is, could be you, you know, uh, and you could end up being dead or, or psychologically traumatized for the rest of your life because this happens everywhere, and we just can't seem to break the cycle. And I've said for years, uh, you know, on the air, that it's a way to help the, is to go to your seniors on your team in high school and say, look, we got to stop this cycle. And it all starts with the upperclassmen. And you are going to be a leader, and you're going to put an end to this right now and tell all the juniors and all the sophomores, we're, not, we're going to be the first team that's not going to uh, abide by any kind of hazing. And if you do it, we're going to report you and probably have you kicked off the team. Yeah, if I could, Rick, I'd like to give the last word for me to, to Byron himself, who yeah. at the end, uh, and you'll remember this touching scene where he apologizes to a guy that he had dragged up the stairs by the scruff of his neck. Um, 27 years later, the man, was his name was Eval, and he didn't seem totally convinced, frankly, nor would I, if you had beat me 27 years ago or whatever, and you apologize now. But at the very end, for Byron to say, um, so was I betraying my brothers? Because he goes into during the show, he goes, look, I have a lot of lifelong friends now. You know, I have brothers for life, et cetera, et cetera. But at the very end, he goes, was I betraying my brothers? Was I be, being a snitch? And he said, no, our silence is the act of betrayal. 
and I think he's 100% right, and he's the one who saw the light, and he's the one who made the documentary, credit to him. But I don't know that that's going to comfort the guys who got paddled as he did on the butt with that paddle a hundred times a night for, you know, weeks on end. I mean, that's total lunacy to me. Uh, but maybe not to these guys who want to be part of something. Uh, but I think he did see the light, and I thought the ending was very touching, actually. Yeah, I thought that was very poignant uh, because obviously he sort of comes to terms with his own uh-huh. experiences, and, and he's trying to offer, in effect, a quote-unquote apology to a lifelong friend for what he did to him. But, you know, in this day and age, hopefully, with the emphasis more than ever on, on, on mental health of our kids, maybe this documentary will finally will break through and show the, the lunacy and the dangers of hazing, uh, and we, we can only hope so. And again, the, 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 the documentary is called Hazing. It's by Byron Hurt. Uh, you can find it on PBS. Uh, it's about an hour, hour and a half long, but it is powerful stuff. And again, if you're a parent, I, I can't... Uh, I can't urge you enough to make sure you find this and if you can make sure your school district shows it to uh to their students because it is it's more than just a you know an online quiz or or a nonsense of just trying to say hazing is a bad thing we shouldn't do it this this gets right to the core and and it really does drive home the point absolutely uh my thanks to you as always steve uh steve callis uh, sports editor of westchestercountypost.com as i mentioned earlier he hosts a uh, facebook group uh, uh, called Speaking of Sports with Steve Callis. And, and Steve, as always, um, appreciate your efforts and your research and all these important topics to our kids. I, I thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Rick. This is very important stuff. Thank you. And, and my thanks this morning to Pete Hoffman and to Pat Boyle. Now, coming up, you got to stick around for New York Giants football this morning from the U.K., where they'll take on the, uh, the Green Bay Packers. Nothing like an NFL football game over a breakfast of uh, scones and a spot of tea. (laughs) I'll see you next Sunday at 7 a.m. right here on the Sports Edge. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 